My special guest today is a wonderful actor who has the distinction of playing my mum's favourite character in the bill. When the bill returned to its original hour-long format, Jeff Daly was at the centre of the action. Ray Ashcroft, welcome to the <laughs> Bill podcast. You've recently come back from France. You've been doing some work over there. So what, what was that project? Yeah, it's a play I'm writing about set in the First World War. Essentially, it revolves around the Sheffield Powell's battalion. You know, there was a voluntary battalion of about a thousand guys who were... Uh, there were a few, you know, a few cities had these kind of Powell's. Uh, battalions of a very different makeup and nature so yeah i'm i'm down there quite regularly you know stay, walking the trenches well the ones that still exist the problem being that every time i go down you get more and more ideas and, and when you get back you want to kind of put these new ideas in and it gets so complex i mean it's such a vast uh subject obviously as most people know, well, people who know anything about the First World War would appreciate. But um, yeah, that's okay. That's kind of about three quarters of the way there. He exaggerates. <laughs> Have you done a lot of writing? Do you, do you enjoy the writing process? No, not at all. The only writing I've ever really done was <laughs> at university. You know, and I did the kind of, um, you know, the uh, far too late essay on Sunday evenings. <laughs> But uh, no, nothing, um, nothing that's actually been presented. I mean, I've just I've contributed to things and I've helped devise shows for theatre and things, but never, you know, sat down and written a piece from beginning to end. A recent production that you you starred in at the Crucible was uh, on behalf of the people. God, I love all these uh, flattering epithets, Oliver. Oh, it's true. <laughs> you started. It, it was a piece with four actors who were of equal weight in in the show. But yes, um, and uh, a great a great piece it it was. I mean, to be fair, unless it unless it had been about something that I wanted to be involved in, I wanted to do it anyway. Because uh, you know, I mean, it's it, it's got to have some kind of um, contemporary relevance like politically or or whatever and that was a play about the three years following the second world war which you know as you know saw the nationalization of the mines and um national health service um labor landslide victory of course after the war uh, so it was a very very uh it's a period that i am interested in you know it's an important period socially historically when I was offered it, I jumped at it. It was a great piece, well-written piece. When the Crucible was built, I kind of moved into it with the first company, so... Oh, wow. And I was in the studio company, and that was in, ooh, 70-something. When did you first discover the acting bug? Uh, it was all kind of a chance, a chance thing for me. I met, um, I met a guy who was putting a play on in the arts festival at the uh, university in Sheffield and um, I kind of got involved in that and he then became later when he left university became a director at the crucible and subsequently I I joined his studio company a guy called Ed Thomason 
who I've kind of, I re-met three weeks ago after, I don't know, probably 30, 30 odd years. Wow. I've not seen him. Uh, but he's been working in Canada, so it's, um, you know, it makes it difficult. But we had a great reunion three oh. weeks ago. Oh, fantastic. I wasn't a theatre goer. Uh, growing up, I was just kind of a, a naughty secondary mom school boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, drama wasn't in the vocabulary in those days, in the 60s, secondary modern schools. What were you thinking your chosen career might might be, or, or were you still working that out when, when acting came along? I think so, yeah. Well, I'd, actually, I started at 18, so there wasn't a lot of chance between school and um, and I left post O level, which um, is the equivalent of GCSEs now. And then I I acted for four or five years, and then I went back to university. Oh wow! Because I thought this is not for me really. And then I did three years uh, <laughs> reading English literature, and the day I came out, I started a job at Leeds Playhouse doing <laughs> a new oh. play. <laughs> Um, and just carried on since, you know, it's been a job. Yeah. And to be honest, when I reflect now, I think, well, you know, there have never been any dizzy high points uh, for me. I've had lots of nice jobs, and including the bill, obviously, that was a great job. But when I reflect, I think, well, I think just having a job for so, so many years, you know, that's, I mean, obviously, I've had periods out of work, all actors do, but... In general, you know, I never had to don the roller skates in the hypermarket or, you know, hold the silver tray above my head. I, I, I never did another job at all. Which is incredible, isn't it? It is, really. I mean, and nowadays, I mean, my, I've got a boy at drama school at the moment, and I, you know, I think, God, it's so difficult. And I read books like, there's an actor called Michael Simpkin, and he's written a book called The Golden Acting World or whatever, and... He finishes that with, the, you know, the sad truth is that 95% of drama students will never act. And it is extraordinary, you know, the competition is amazing. But it seems more fierce now to me. I'm not, I certainly wouldn't like to be starting now at this time. Presumably it's huge help for your son to have you in his corner and... Yeah, well, I tried my best to uh, dissuade him. Oh, but... really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's here now, actually, because he's on his summer break. Oh, cool. <laughs> Every time I tried to persuade him against it, he got a kind of leg up. You know, he kept getting, you know, little jobs, you know. Then he joined the National Youth Theatre and all these kind of things. So it was difficult for me to say, yeah, I'll learn himself a trade, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do say to him, when people ask me, they say, you know, like, you know, a couple of family members who've gone into the business and they've asked me earlier on about advice. I always say, go down to B&Q and buy a trowel. Learn how to plaster because you can always earn dosh. You can always put a bit of dosh in your back pocket. When you, you know, there will be times when you're desperate and you need some dosh. But uh, nobody seems to have heeded it yet, Oliver. So, <laughs> I wondered how you moved into, into television. Generally, the pattern is that you... I mean, I, was, I did the old reptile theatre, which was where you went off to places like Liverpool, uh, whatever, you know, you'd do the whole season. 
you know, you could stay almost a career. <laughs> they, they would cast a company rather than, you know, just cast for a play. And I, probably my first 14, 15 years doing mainly that. And then an agent start putting you up for television stuff. And then you, you're hired and fired as, you know, it's all chance. Your first telly was in Coronation Street. That must have been exciting, you know, at that time being watched by 20 million people. You know, it was massive. Yeah, well, <laughs> there people like Ina Shanklers. And uh, <laughs> I think because, you know, we'd seen Coronation Street in black and white, of course, I remember being terrified. And I think it was Jean Alexander. She came round out of one of the line booths when I walked in. And I, I, I could hardly speak. Oh. And she she said, "Hello, <laughs> and who are you?" <laughs> and I remember my voice went up about three octaves. Hello, I'm Steve Holton. <laughs> as well as the bill, I've also actually celebrated another show that you've been part of. I, I wrote a book about all creatures, great and small. Oh yeah, yeah. It was called A Cat in Hole's Chance. Yes, that's right. One episode, and um, what was it about? It was about a cat jumping into his carpet van and, yeah. and going off to Hull or somewhere, ended up in Hull. Yeah, thought, yeah. Mm. yeah, you, you yeah. had a, a lovely scene with Jean Hayward where you're, 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 you're putting all your Yorkshire charm into trying to sell her your gorgeous carpets, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did I succeed? No, sadly not. <laughs> she gave you short no. shrift. But, uh... <laughs> but it, it must have been very interesting, you know, making that kind of studio-bound television is a world away to the way The Bill was made, where it was actually shot documentary style in an actual building, you know, as opposed to a, a standard TV set. Yeah, well, most of the villas, you know, was, you know, offices and which were in Merton's. But most of it's out across South London, really, you know, the Jasmine Allen estates and places like that. We're all out on location, so you just go on the little bus every morning and get ferried out and then do your scenes in one episode and then get ferried across London to another location and, you know, do your scenes in that episode. You know, as a few minutes, you know, it's all out of sequence and, and and unless you were one of the main episode for your character which meant that you were in most of that episode then you would mainly be on that single episode because that would take up the week of, of filming but if you weren't one of the two or three policemen who were driving that episode then you would be scattered about different characters main episodes as it were i've forgotten how many strands were going in the end probably about four it, it was possible to be in, you could, one week, you could be in four episodes, you know, you could be doing a scene in this one, a scene in that one. And Well, before you joined as Jeff, you, you did play another copper in the bill. You you, you play, uh, I mean, he's a fantastic character. He's a, a racist bigot called PC Rob the Gob Leech. He's a pretty outrageous character, isn't he? Very outspoken. He, he suggests that he wouldn't mind stir-frying Lynn Miller's wok. <laughs> What detailed research. I mean, I remember really enjoying it. It was like um, it was a guest episode that you could really get your teeth into. Yeah, I, I think that probably probably part of getting the job in the end but as a regular in the bill because 
I know after that, I, I was endlessly going for interviews for different parts, which I didn't get, some of which I fancied and some of which I didn't really, you know, because the characters were too antiseptic for me, you know, the kind of high-ranking policemen, a couple of uniformed ones, and uh, I didn't really fancy it. And what did you make of Jeff as a character? I don't know, I thought he was a bit of a goody two-shoes, and I always tried to manipulate scripts you know, to make him a little bit, you know, give him a little bit more edge. Occasionally a director would say, I'm not sure that's really, you know, daily-esque. And I, you know, I'd have to pull back on it or something. Oh, wow. But, um, to me, you've got a lot of edge in him. You know, he, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty, is he? And, like, you know, if he wants to grab a suspect while no one's looking, he will. Yeah, the trilogy thing that I did called Breach of Trust with Lalita Chakrabarty is exactly that kind of... Um, it all revolves around a rape case, so there was all the kind of incentive there. And I did, in, in parts, get away with murder there, you know, where I kind of, uh, you know, probably touched things up a little bit in the script. <laughs> Jeff is a very instinctive copper. He just knows this guy's a wrong un. He's got no evidence whatsoever, but he just knows <laughs> that he's he's going to yeah. do it. You know, and that's what a brilliant character for you to be able to, I mean, you're fantastic in these... I mean, you're fantastic in Orville, but you're really shining these episodes. He was a Cancerian like myself, coincidentally. Cancerians have got antennae everywhere. I'm lying about this, Oliver, of course. You know, <laughs> I was but, just... Um, <laughs> I was just I'm lying say... about him being a Cancerian, of course. You know. <laughs> Particularly with B. Yes. It was just so sad that they didn't develop that. And when it was all changed in the hands and everything, Bill, it was sad for me because I would have liked him to have had a more positive end rather than just walking out of the office one night and saying goodnight, lads. <laughs> but it was all kind of rushed. I mean, I, I went in. The boot and I diametric came out of the fact that um, Billy hates anything that exists further north than Watford. <laughs> Um, <laughs> laugh. <laughs> you know, it's kind of West Ham United v Sheffield United. And of course, they won't be meeting again this season, just to pop that in. <laughs> Back in the Premiership. They kind of picked up on that scriptwriters, that um, north-south divide. And when you think about it, it, it would have existed in the Met, you know, being so kind of diverse. And they picked up on it, but they didn't kind of finish it off, really. You know, they saw examples of the chase, like the episode where he threw me in the Thames. Yeah, Walking on Water, yeah. That's a great episode. Yeah, it never really got near to a conclusion. I would have liked it to have got nearer. And I would have liked Daly to have had more credibility in that pursuit. It's a shame that not once does Simon Rouse's character actually listen to you, does he? Meadows just completely blanks the fact that Daly's even on to something. Yes, because he never seemed to have any great allegiance to Don Beach either. But maybe that's just a part of Meadows' character. Yeah. You know, he didn't, you know that he listened to himself more than anybody else. He wouldn't agree with that. I still see Simon quite a lot. You guys were dynamite together. There's, there's a one scene with the three... Well, Billy's playing it, you know, playing it cool like Beach, but you and Simon are both just yelling it's a i used to love those because i grew up with this era of the bill and that's what i used to love the yeah. most when when you guys all had a good old argument in sun hill i, I always used to love yeah. that <laughs> yes uh, one of simon's lines was always jeff into my office now <laughs> <Ethel> roll. 
Simon's of Bradford, uh, which is not a million miles from here, of course. You know, I mean, it's a decent walk. <laughs> um, but um, we were kind of kindred spirits, and we we got on from the outset. As soon as I joined him, mean, obviously Simon was in there for half a career, and I was, you know, I just joined for the odd five or six years, whatever it was. And um, being Northerners and being um, <laughs> both being gigglers. <laughs> we used to, um, we often have difficulty with scenes at the end of the day oh, okay. you know, when, everybody, when everybody was tired and uh, if you looked on the schedule and I'd got a, a little scene, it didn't matter what it was, it could be just, you know, three or four lines at his office door. As soon as you saw that on the schedule, you thought, oh, we're working late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could take so long and... You know, he'd either he'd open the office door and have tears in his eyes, <laughs> you know, or I'd my my voice would be shaking as I asked him the question. You know, whatever. But just, <laughs> I don't know, probably the worst in the cast, really. But uh, it all made it very enjoyable. Do you have to move to London to, or were you already living in London when you were doing the build? No, I'd got a place around the corner in Mitchum. I shared with them. Another actor that I still see uh, a little bit of, Ben Roberts, who played Conway. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, you guys live together. Yeah. That must have been fun. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> Times, it by, Times it by 50. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got a little semi-detached house around the corner from... I mean, I, I, walked, I walked to work in the morning and uh, it was it was great if you weren't involved having an episode you'd just go home and then you know we kept this room it was like for overnight stops really you know i mean it was uh, to to be honest it was a bit like studentsville again yeah for me it was like going back to the you know the student house you know with the there are, put it this way, there are a lot of takeaway cans on the table. <laughs> and, we, you know, we've got a pub next door and have a meal and drink down the road. And Well, it's yeah. one of my favourites of your episodes when, when Daly gets behind the bar in Time Gentleman, please, and, and you're undercover in a pub. Oh, God, what? What's that all about? Yeah, you, yeah, you and Libby Davison are undercover, and, and uh, you're trying to. There's there's some heavies who are coming into the pub. They're offering protection money by like duffing up people, and uh, you're just fantastic in that. It's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely fun episode, and it's it's one of Jeff's best ones because there's like a small time crook who's actually trying to help but initially he thinks Jeff he doesn't know Jeff's a copper so he's trying to get him in on his small time little racket and at the end of the episode you you tear the tape up so he doesn't have to go down which is a nice touch do you remember the name of the director Albert Albert uh, yeah you're right Albert Barber yeah Albert Barber yeah he's a Sheffield man a lot of Sheffield um, I met a guy who was at my primary school who was one of the directors, a guy called Mike Cocker. And I worked with him and he just, uh, you know, I mean, out of the blue. I'd not seen him since Abilene County School for 40 years, whatever it was then, you know, in terms of years. But, and there he was, you know, he said, oh, I know you. 
<laughs> you used to queue up for seconds of mashed potatoes at Abbey Lane. <laughs> and I think, God, don't blow my cover here. <laughs> <laughs> Little coincidences, you know. But they, they often paired you up with Libby Davison. What was what was Libby like to work with? Oh, I love Libby. Yeah, we did a lot, lots of episodes together. She kept an eye on me. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get even the uh, ribs in the interview. Yeah, you know, if I was being naughty or <laughs> whatever, you know. Well, and yeah. she shouldn't have done. She was only a DC as well, you know. She'd no right to do that. <laughs> I love Libby, and then she was kind of um, kind of mother confessor. In the pub, she was, you know, the person I, I could speak to about more personal problems. Oh, right, okay. Oh, so you, you were all like a, quite a, a close-knit bunch then, you know, you were, you were friends. Yeah, we st- yeah, there was quite a lot. I mean, the thing is, most people were away from home, you know, from all different parts of the country, so, mm. you know, it was kind of the social thing just, you know, led by Nigel Wilson, needless to say. All right. Have a couple of beers and then go back to the student squat around the corner. <laughs> um, but I mean, Nigel was an amazing coordinator of the whole thing. He kept most of it in his head. You know, he'd got walls full of um, post-it notes and he knew where he was. Exactly, you know, it was always kind of and the ball with everything and um you know if you needed the odd scene moving here and there you know like for an important Sheffield United game on the Saturday <laughs> or whatever then he was your man to go and talk to or, or buy an extra pound <laughs> um, no it was amazing it kind of ruined the mechanics of the show really it was good despite being a Wolves fan <laughs> the you know, it can't all that. It could be worse. It could be a Sheffield Wednesday sports. Oh, <laughs> wash your mouth out, David. <laughs> the whole production team at that time, I, I think they, they all deserve credit because you guys were making... There was no other TV programme like The Bill, was there, in, in the way it was no. made? No. And I think also with the cast, I mean, I think that, for me, they were all regular, all good actors. Mm. But regular people, you know, they weren't kind of... I, I call them actors rather than actors. Yeah. You know, there was no kind of brow mopping in the bill. You'd just get, you know, you'd just get shot down in flames by the rest of the cast. Mm. It was very regular kids, you know, talking about very regular things in between takes, you know. There was seriously no brow mopping whatsoever. No. I'd, the occasional brown mopper came along, but they didn't survive long. Right. And that's what was great about it, you know, being a kind of northern lad. <laughs> it was great for me. It was very, very country place to work. You know, great people surrounding it, it. It ran through the whole thing, that. It was kind of, it was Michael Chapman's baby. The whole design was, was him, really. And to talk to him, you would have probably thought he was the least likely person. You know, I was in, you know, fear and trepidation when I first met Michael Chapman, you know. You know, it was all kind of very, you know, formal. It was the least likely guy to have put that amazing thing together. And the other thing that I've got to mention about the bill, I was starting to think of things that are memorable, is that when you finished filming each day, there were so many 
of course, there were there was a whole flight deck of officers which were pre-production, production, and post, and each had their respective producers and directors in that particular tiny office. I don't know, maybe the best part of a dozen episodes on the go at once, you know, either in pre, current, or post-production. It's quite a lot of offices, and um, each office had a, a fridge. <laughs> and each fridge was filled with bottles of beer. <laughs> not not filled, but, you know, an ample amount. And um, you could go in after you'd finished the room, or even if you came back from location, you know, you popped into your production office and had a bottle of lager. Lovely. You know, which was, uh, you know, which I thought was very civilised. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. After the... <laughs> Of the day's toil, but it was great. It was kind of a you know, you, so you'd got a kind of like a convivial social group going on after each day if you wanted. If you know, if you wanted to get it off your chest, you could just you know, you just sat with the producers and directors and chatted to them normally. It wasn't they, they weren't kind of this kind of lofty, distant position, you know, or up on the producers' gallery, whatever. It, it, so it was very enjoyable. The whole thing was very you know, a great job, really. The first day I walked into the bill, the first person I met walking across along the dressing room corridor was Eric Richard. Wow. He's a massive Arsenal fan. Yeah. And we played Arsenal the night before. Oh, right. I think it was a, I think it was a cup game, and we beat them 1-0. Oh. And I, I went to, I'd still beat my Sheffield United badge on my lapel. <laughs> and when he walked past, he shook my hand. He said, oh, hi, Ray. He said, I'm Eric. And, oh, and then he looked at the lapel and he went, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he said, what is that on your lapel? <laughs> uh, what a coincidence. You know, we just played. Yeah. You know, he's the first person I've actually been to. I love it. I remember Ian Fletcher. Ian came into my dressing room one day and says, yeah, Ray. He says, I've got, he said, I've got, because you used to get fam, loads of sacks of fan mail, you know, asking you for a signed photo and stuff like that. He said, oh, I've got this one from Sheffield, from Netheredge in, in Sheffield. That's near to you, isn't it? And I said, yes. And the address was on the, on the parallel street to mine. Wow. You know, obviously having a bit of fun. I said, don't send it back. I said, I'm, I'm going back this afternoon to Sheffield. <laughs> I'll knock on a door and say that this has been sent from Sun Hill. Oh! <laughs> so I went round. I thought it'd be a bit of a light. And I knocked on the door and she came, the lady, and I said, I said, I'm from Sun Hill and I've been told to drop you this as I was passing through Sheffield. And she took the picture out of my hand and said, thank you very much and closed the door. <laughs> the door in my face, you know. <laughs> She didn't even realise what was going on. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, really. What? And, um, <laughs> yeah, we don't out on it for ages. But, you know, but, That's brilliant. I bet you all had some fun making the pantomime episode twanky. Yeah, I wasn't involved in that a great deal. But it, I think it was down there. It was in Brighton. Yeah. I think it was Brighton, yeah. I think I went down for one overnight and... That turned out into a bit of a riot afterwards. <laughs> I'm not giving too much away. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Coliseum at the seaside. Everybody, everybody seemed to think we were on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there was a because it was the Panto cast in the story. There were a lot of the cast actually down there. And yeah. obviously, in the bar afterwards, people it, it did get into holiday mood. Really, <laughs> I can't tell you any details. But it, was, <laughs> it was hilarious. In general, I've got to finger him in this. This would be Ben Roberts. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Who was? Um, well, I mean, he was and still is a great, you know, great mate. I thought he was a tremendous actor. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. You've Tremendous. Got that, that twinkle in the eye and that that knowing little yeah. sort of half smile he gives when he knows mm. something. Yeah, I mean, brilliant. But you all were. It's such a strong cast. And so, it's so. Would you have liked to have stayed longer on the bill? Yeah, I would have. Yeah, I was, I was kind of an afterthought. I remember. I remember they were going to lose six or seven cast members and. Um, Billy was going, and he kept saying, well, I'm going anyway, you know. I was sad with that, but then the other side of me, I thought, oh, God, I wonder what they're going to do, you know. And can I, will I be able to manipulate <laughs> down yeah. the scripts a bit more? <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, everybody was kind of on the way out. I had just signed a new contract, so I thought, well, I'm, I'm staying, and I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, for a couple of years, whatever. And um, it was good because the kids were growing up and those kind of rollover things, you know, they're not fantastically paid, but it's great if you're bringing kids up because it, you know, it helps so, yeah, so much with the kids. And, um, you know, I got the phone, well, I got the summons to the office. And, um, yeah, Richard Amford said, yeah, well, we're going to let Daily go as well. We're going to have a clean sweep of. You know, that section of three ideas. So. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame because, I mean, he was a fantastic Oh, it was. I told, I told him that, Ollie, but to no avail. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it was very sudden and I was kind of ill-prepared. But that's the way it goes, you know. That's what tell is all about. All good things come to an end. And then I just kind of caught the bus up to Emmerdale. You know, it was like... Yeah. Not the same kind of job by any means. Nowhere near as uh, you know enjoyable. You did get a, a nomination at the Soap Awards, which I, I've read you were quite embarrassed about. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I, I still think someone's Jay up there. Somebody in those you know selecting nominations must have known me from earlier years. <laughs> <laughs> you know the title. I don't. I, I can't remember. It's something yeah. to do with um, yes. glamour boys on sexiest male. It's a fact, Ray. You can't dispute it, you know. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I was loath to anyway. I remember being in the green room with Emmerdale and a guy, one of my family in the script, came in and I was snoozing in the green room. He said, he said oh, Ray, he said, you're up for sexiest man on television. <laughs> and I went, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> yeah. 
Even well, worse, I'm well, sure. I think that I think that might have something to do with uh, you being my mum's favourite uh, on a bill. I, I think that I think there's a little bit of something to do with that. <laughs> oh, it's your mum's fault. <laughs> in the TV Times or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What are your hopes for the future? Um, obviously, the moment I'm preoccupied with this writing project, I've got a little bit of interest in it, but I wouldn't say any more than that because I, you know, I don't want. Jinx myself. Um, so I need. Obviously, I want to finish. I want to finish this. I mean, if, if somebody came to me with some kind of small-scale project, you know, I'd certainly do that. But I'm not, I don't chase. I'm not chasing work really now. Um, that's, I've I've handed the baton on to my kids. <laughs> They're all in the game you know two in the music business and uh, doing well and um, and then i've got the new ones kind of aspiring thesp yeah um so I've, i'm kind of cook and bottle washer really <laughs> Ta- taxi driver <laughs> supplementer <laughs> you know usual things dads do when they get into the 60s you know? oh. Well, for everyone listening to this, you're a, you're a legend, it, my, myself included in that, and, and something we like to ask the special guests on the Bill podcast to do is, is to nominate a charity that the listeners can support. So is there anything that's um, particularly close to your heart that if people want to donate a couple of quid to, they, they can? Do you know, any refugee fund would be would be mine. I'd have to think of you know, specific ones, but anything in that zone, you know, I would recommend... That's the other thing I spend my time doing now in between the script is writing abusive tweets to Boris Johnson. Not necessarily abusive, but, um, you know, to the point. Hey, I'm on the soapbox now, Ollie. Yeah. Oh, yes. Here we go. <laughs> if it's not Sheffield United, it's the <laughs> Labour Party. Not, not always the Labour Party, but certainly, you know, on the left. Yeah, of yeah. politics and um, where politics is at this side and the opposite side of the pond is just incredible at the moment it's, it's Maya that I've never seen in my lifetime you know it's never ever been like this well does, does it please you that people are still enjoying your work on the bill and, and what is your message to the fans of you and fans of Jeff Daly I never think about it to be honest <laughs> I'm sure everybody, I'm sure all the actors would tell you that. I look forward to the 39p checks from Zimbabwean places. Yeah. You know, on the overseas sales. And, I mean, the bill was like a proper job. I'm sure other actors will tell you that. I mean, it used to get you, you know, you got your check each week. It was like a proper get paid on Fridays job. Old style stuff. You know, you, you got your check and that was it, which is very rare in, you know, in theatre and television. Because, well, in theatre is different. You do get paid on a probably a weekly basis. But um, in television, it's got to go through your agent. And, you know, it takes takes ages. It can take a lifetime sometimes. By which time you've spent your dosh three or four times over, you know. It's, but uh, with the bill, it was uh, fantastic. You know, you were paid on the dot every week. And that was whether you were in it or not. Amazing. So yeah, that was a good yeah, and I mean in many respects it was a great a great mm. job, an unusual job in many ways. 
Somebody rang me and said, oh, you know, they're doing the bill again. Are you going to put your name in the hat? And I said, I don't think they're going to throw it again. <laughs> you know, it's going to be... Well, there's certainly a gap for it. And um, it came second in the recent Radio Times poll of, of most wanted TV shows to return. It came second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the hunger is there for it. I think it just needs the right... We need a new Michael Chapman, don't we? We need a new visionary. Yes, definitely. Although, you know, you could... To, I think to achieve that success, you wouldn't be able to stray far from the original format. No. You know, which was a, a, police, a policeman in every scene. That was the remit. And... Um, and the character mainly being with the with the villains. You wouldn't be able to stray from that. See, that was the success of it, and it was unique in that way. There's never been a police program had that same kind of core format, you know, so you couldn't really veer away from that, I don't think. No, no. But, you no. know, I mean, there are police, there'll always be police series. I mean, it's just different shape and form now, aren't they? You know, minor duties and all that. Absolutely, you know, but I mean, Line of Duty like got the highest viewing figures in in ages on TV, so it shows that the appetite is there for people to want to watch, you know, police drama series. Yeah, you were ahead of your time, really, in chasing Don Beach. You you were you were the AC twelve. You were the Adrian Dunbar of, uh, <laughs> of the Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really grateful for your time, Ray. Thank you ever so much for sharing your memories. Oh. Would you mind giving a shout-out to my mum? What's her name? Julie. Julie. <laughs> Hi, Julie. My, my, I, I'm Ray Ashcroft, and um, your, your boy has just been uh, flanneling me about your interest in my character. <laughs> but um, flattered by your flattery. Oh. That way, and... That's really sweet. Thank you. Thank you ever so much. I'm really grateful. No problem, Ollie. My huge thanks to Ray for that fantastic chat. What a brilliant guy. Some absolute gold dust from what I know is many people's favourite era of the bill. It's certainly the one I grew up with and the episodes still hold up today. I'm sorry the audio quality kind of went in and out um, during that podcast with Ray. Uh, we, we had phone signal problems throughout, but we, uh, we persevered. I actually recorded that one quite a long time ago, but I've done a lot of audio scrubbing just to make it as enjoyable as you can. So apologies for that, but I hope you enjoyed it all the same. You can follow Ray on Twitter and he has what for my money is probably the greatest Twitter at name I've ever seen. It's at Ray Ashtagcroft. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, follow the great man on there. The Bill podcast is co-produced by James Ladane, Alex Mockler and Tasha Paul. And it's executive produced by Simon Banstead, Joseph Beaver, Chris Booth, Daniel Christopher, Paul Dunn, George Fairbrother, Luke Hegarty, Benjamin Hughes, Edward Kellett, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington, Patrick Stratford and Sarah Wentz.
The Bill podcast is brought to you in association with the Armstrong and Burton series of books. Norman Armstrong and Alf Burton are an unlikely pair of political friends. One is a left-wing journalist who grew up in poverty, a man with a national reputation and a sharp tongue. The other is the Tory chief whip and the latest in a long family line of distinguished politicians. A violent argument between the two proves to be the beginning of a lasting bond. The first novel in this series by George Fairbrother is called The Banqueting Club. It's available to buy on Amazon, either for your Kindle or paperback. And my huge thanks to George for supporting the Patreon channel and rising the ranks to our new DAC. Thank you all so much for your support of the Build Podcast Patreon channel. Lots to look forward to over the coming months, especially with a a little book called Witness Statements around the corner, which I shall uh, look forward to telling you all about in great detail. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe. Bye for now. Bye for now.